This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 51 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have two ladies that you're going to hear a lot about in the horse world. Dr. Kate is a young veterinarian, but already a leader in the effort to improve your horse's well-being. And our second guest, Shannon Coakley, lives every day by the motto of helping horses heal people as the nonprofit Equus Foundation shapes horse advocacy for people. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have my producer, Glenn, with me today. Hi, Glenn. Happy Halloween, everybody. That's right. Halloween so tomorrow. Nice. We're gonna be at we're we're gonna be at Actually, your place tomorrow for Halloween. You are recording the hit 'em tomorrow, so we are privileged, privileged to have horses in the morning right there at Flag is up farm. Now, do I get a candy bar if I walk down that long lane of yours and knock it on your door? To, it doesn't have to come out of a pumpkin or anything, does it? No. Yeah, yeah, we can okay. scrape it. I don't want one of those little ones one. either. I want a full size Snickers bar. <laughs> I don't want one of those little bite sized <laughs> things, okay? Counters. If I have to walk down your lane, which is an exercise, um, I, <laughs> do you have anybody show up for trick or treat? Uh, th- no. th- it depends on the employees on the farm that live there. If they're in little kid, you know, uh, era, then yes. But at this point, everybody's all grown up and old. <laughs> so we don't. Maybe we need to hire. All right. I want my Snickers bar though. Keep that in mind. Okay. Not right. coming I unless I get I my Snickers bar. All right. Good. <laughs> yeah. I hope our, our next guest doesn't listen to you because she is a Dr. Kate. She doesn't want to hear about it. It's not a dentist though. So it's okay. Yeah. Right. yeah you're okay. But- <laughs> Dr. Kate probably likes Snickers too. She probably does too. I don't. I don't blame her a bit. I'll give you a Snickers bar so I get one myself. <laughs> I'm not a big Halloween guy anyway, so. Yeah, it's true. That whole six 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 kind of freaks me out. Anyway, yeah, I know. And uh, um, you know, and we're in Southern California, so we got scary. What is it? Not scary farm. Yeah, you got Knoxbury or Hox. What is it called? Knoxbury Farm, Farm, but they call it Not Scary Farm Uh, at this time of year. Oh, you know, and the commercial, I get scared from the commercials, Glenn. (laughs) I really, you know, they got these like. So I don't have to worry about bringing a costume. No, please don't. All right, good. you know, I want to recognize you when you come. Because I was in an acting to... company for ten years, I had to wear costumes all the time. So oh, that's <laughs> like, true. I don't yeah. want to see you in tights. All no. right, then I won't bring my tights <laughs> and my dress. I'll you can bring your pillowcase, and I will put, drop a Snickers bar. All right, good. Snickers good. bar in there. And I'll do we'll that. Be, yeah, we'll be done with that. I did go as the headless horseman one time when I had this really tall, dark bay horse, and we looked great. I had a plastic pumpkin on my head, and oh, you know, I cool. think sort of put it behind me at that point. Though <laughs> that was enough of that. <laughs> But anyway, we've got a great show coming up, and I'd really love to just get into it with you, and you're just going to love these gals. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse, and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios. 
risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Dr. Kate Lavasser grew up on a large beef and quarter horse farm in Wisconsin and competed in barrel racing on the national circuit. When Kate wasn't riding horses, she was assisting her father, who was an equine veterinarian as well. Kate graduated from the University of Wisconsin River Falls with a degree in animal science and with an equine emphasis. And then she went on to the University of Wisconsin Madison School of Veterinary Medicine, and she was an active leader throughout veterinary school. Kate held numerous leadership positions while working as a technician in the large animal operating room in the evenings and weekends and also involved in a clinical research or in the clinical research of the university there. Kate works in a small animal emergency medicine, but on her quote unquote days off, she also works as a racetrack veterinarian. She owns horses and is a member of the American Association of Equine Practitioners, AAEP, and currently serves on a committee helping develop and improve postgraduate veterinary internships. Welcome, Dr. Kate Lavasser. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Good to hear from you. And I can't believe you have DR in front of your name. I, I know our listeners are going to say, no, she's too young to have a, you know, a whole doctorate done and, and put aside. But you are a full-fledged vet and have been out in the working world some time now, correct? I have. I graduated in 2011. So it's crazy how time flies. Does it does, and we're really excited to have you on because I know that you're a really busy lady, but you represent a lot of what we like to encourage to advocate horses and people staying together and doing the right thing together. And um, I gave the the listeners a little bit about your background, but um, I don't know if I said enough about how involved you are in research. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up in research. Well, going through vet school, I was, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I was, you know, just that probably, you know, this alter nerd that was up close and personal <laughs> with all of my the clinicians. And um, right away off the get-go, they invited me to be a part of research my first year of vet school. And what that did is just really opened up the pathway, you know, both career-wise and uh just really opening my eyes to realizing that I loved research. So I continued with that, you know, I was involved with a lot of research all through vet school and uh, following vet school, I ended up doing an internship and was more part of the clinical side of the research uh, just through that clinic. Mm-hmm. And then now it's more so, I guess, on, you know, my association with different companies. When you got into research, did you want to get to, into research on and like solve one huge issue in the equine world? Or, you know, I know you've done some research in the nutritional world. Did you have one focus when you were going through school? You know, I didn't because of my association with different clinicians. A lot of it was surgical based. And uh, during vet school, their main focus is just to produce papers and get them out. Uh, Mm. So, a lot of that was surgical, but, uh, in undergrad, I think I was more so associated with the nutritional side of things. Um, and then probably during my internship, I returned to more of the nutrition aspect. 
Yeah, I see. So what's the most, I mean, I love, I'm curious about how things morph and change and get better over the years. What's the most exciting thing on the horizon right now in nutrition with horses? You know, honestly, it's probably just, you know, taking what we already know, what horses, you know, the core things that that they need and just applying them in different ways for the consumer. Um, you know, honestly, the one company that I am working with is Mega Fields, and what they have done is actually taken, uh, you know, something that, you know, like their product, Horshine, which is flaxseed, um, and put it into, I don't want to say a treat form, but, um, you know, they're called nibblers, and uh, it enables us to give those to horses without actually having to, you know, give them grain and on top oh, of that. I see. So it's a treat that has a little extra goodies in it for the horse that doesn't even know exactly. it. Exactly. Like when you give your kids a vitamin that tastes like fruit or something. <laughs> That's a good you idea. You know, I really enjoy those gummies that are Yeah, out there for exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Same hey, concept. adults eat them, right? Yeah. Well, that's fun. So you think that we're just getting better at what we do. There isn't anything on the horizon that's like a huge breakthrough thing. We're just getting better at what exactly. we do. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, I'm no longer in you know the academic format, but, you know, I'm sure there are great things coming up, but I really enjoy just, you know, just reforming and reinventing being part of that side of things that we already know and then just helping you know, the horse owner out. Yeah. Well, I love the idea of giving treats. Who doesn't? I mean, I, I like, I probably overfeed our horses too, but, but, um, I know one of the things that we try to keep from doing is feeding from the human body because we just find that they start, you know, reaching in our pockets and un- undressing mm-hmm. us after a while. And, um, so we just throw them in the bucket or something. Is it, do you find that handing treats is a negative thing? I know a lot of people like doing it. I, I do. I absolutely find that as a negative. As a vet, I come to these farms and the worst thing is that, you know, that horse that's always just up close and personal and there's a difference if he's friendly, great, but, uh, you know, we have a bubble around ourselves that we need, you know, they need to respect that. And, you know, it, it, once you have a horse that's expecting treats from your hand, you take that up close and personal horse, and now you have a, you know almost a problem case that's actually you know biting or nipping or you know always searching for those treats. So I definitely don't promote that as a vet. Yeah, good, good job. It's kind of like going to the dentist and asking, "Can I chew on candy?" Do you do you tell talk to owners that way? Do you actually say, "Hey, it's probably not a good idea to give peppermints," or or are you too shy to do that? Oh, I, I'm definitely not shy. Okay. I tell owners, uh, whether they listen or not is a different thing. Okay, you know, <laughs> I've, I've dealt with a lot of racetrack horses and you know, there, you will have a difficult time finding a trainer or, you know, a groom that, um, will have horse treats for their horses. So I don't have to really deal with them on that side, but when you go to these farms, these backyard, um, farms, um, you know, you, I can tell them that, but you know, the peppermint, containers and the horse treats are you know piled up in the back so yeah (laughs) there's only some it only goes so far good okay I definitely recommend that you go get the the nibblers then and and give them something at least healthy while they're doing that what are the biggest behavioral issues that you most struggle with as a vet then I again I think it's just those horses that don't respect personal space um you know I 
a lot of times I've dealt with a lot of young horses, especially, you know, studs that, you know, just have been castrated. And, um, you know, those are the horses that need the most discipline. And they tend to seem to just gravitate towards the owners that are very green and are probably getting a little bit over their head. So, uh, those are the owners that I spend the most time with and groundwork. I can't emphasize that a lot as mm. you know, I just, you can't replace groundwork. So, um, right. yeah. So I, Cause you're not, you're not a, you're not a huge person or anything. So what do you do when you come up against, I mean, this is what, what I suppose beginners are struggling with too is, so what do you do about it? You've, you know that you probably need to work on groundwork with your horse, but, um, you know, here the vet's coming over. Oh my gosh. He's been, you know, unclothing me as I, um, he doesn't respect my space. How do you, how do you, how do you teach or how do you train your own horses actually to stay out of your bubble? Repetition and patience, just keep at it. Uh, you know, at a certain point you really have to, I I guess not be too prideful. And if it's out of your expertise, then Mm. realize that, accept it and seek the, you know, maybe give them over to a trainer for a month or whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's not, I'm just a vet, so I only see just a brief mm-hmm. little, you know, pinpoint view of this horse for maybe, what, 30 minutes. And after I leave, they still have to deal with this horse, and it becomes even more dangerous once they start trying to do more with them, whether it be riding them and just interaction with other horses. So it's not just the owner that's at risk or me, it's, you know, just everybody's affected by it at the stable. Sure, sure, and so people need to work on groundwork or get somebody to do it for them. So what what yeah. needs what needs to be focused more on vet school? I, I was just thinking they probably don't even teach like how to handle large animals in vet schools much anymore. Am I wrong? Maybe they do. Well, we did have a fifteen minute course at the beginning of my first year just oh. <laughs> with basic, you know, put on the halter. This is you know where it goes, and this is what it's called. But I came into vet school, I, I really think I was the exception. I came into vet school with so much horse experience and background. So uh, to me, you know, I was very involved, very active, and a lot of times finding myself teaching my classmates. But there were the handful of classmates that really were interested in horses, but did not have that background in anything horses. So what I would suggest to those particular individuals that really have a love for horses and want to do horses is go out and you know just volunteer you know before vet school volunteer at a stable just so you have basic handling skills uh, during vet school there's a lot of opportunity to go volunteer at equestrian events uh, all four years of vet school I volunteered at Rolex and you know, I have a barrel racing background, so my first year it was an eye-opening experience, but I ended up loving it and spent a lot of time in Lexington because of that. But I think you know, my experience is really carried over into my clinical practice right now, and that was even just after vet school started. So uh, it's not too late, you know, if you have that passion and you know drive to get into horses, you know, go to vet school and you know, seek out those experiences there if you haven't done it already. Yeah. It's just amazing though. I think those, uh, to up close and see those horses, what they, what their abilities are. I, I think everybody remembers their first Rolex, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we have, we have so little of it out here on the West coast, but it's starting to, it's starting to build up a little bit. The, uh, venting. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's it's fun to well, fun to. Mm-hmm. And I also think you know just with the Rolex, um, you know, being exposed to that, and then subsequently subsequently spending uh, more time in Lexington because of it. It really, I think, paved the pathway to do my internship in equine sports medicine. And I don't think I, I may have touched maybe a few barrel racers the, you know, my entire year doing my internship. And the rest of it was polo and, you know, just the sport horse show jumpers and dressage. So, yeah, I, just because I love barrel racing and I'm glad I didn't close the door on other equestrian disciplines. Ah, oh, that's a good statement. Yeah, that's nice. It is fun to learn about the other different disciplines, and you you stay. It sounds like in the pretty high level end of the horses, but um, uh, that is exciting and and well that we have good vets in that area too. It, pretty exciting year with the Triple Crown win too. Is where do you remember where you were when <laughs> did you get to watch it live? I actually was at the racetrack in Mini- just right outside of Minneapolis, and so I was watching it on the big screen at the track. Great. Fun. So, Did yeah, you enjoy it? Very yeah. appropriate. <laughs> yes, very appropriate. It was really fun. So uh, when you're a vet on the track, do you just hang for emergencies, or are you actually hired by owners, trainers to to work on particular horses? So the practice I'm with is – uh, hired by trainers and uh, owners uh, on the track, and so we mm-hmm. take care of all the behind-the-scenes stuff. The the racetrack itself has vets that uh, are allowed to go on the track, but uh, myself and the other uh, vets that I work with, we just you know we take care of everything up until the track, and then once the horses come off the track, then we take over again. I see. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I heard this one crazy thing. I don't even know if it's true or if you even know about this, but that when the horses are actually within the race itself, like once they break from the gate, the ownership of them or the responsibility entirely for the horse falls on the racetrack itself. And, you know, I suppose then the vets that are hired for it. And then once the race is over, they revert back to the responsibility of the trainers and the owners and everything too. But that the full pressure then for the health of the horse on the racetrack is in the hands of really basically you vets. Is that right? Yeah, I would agree with that statement. It's exciting it's not, though. And so when yeah. a horse wins, I feel slightly responsible for that. Yeah. When a, when a horse loses, you know, I, I, or I guess I should say, you know, comes and last or just yeah. didn't perform like he was expected to, then, you know, it's, it's almost like a challenge. Like I have to, you know, find out why and what we can do next race to improve them. Right. Right. Good. So you feel like you're part of that team that gets the horse across. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Great. You know, we're encouraging, I don't, you know, this maybe gets into controversy. I don't want to get into controversy, but we're encouraging nerf bat uh, races where they don't have the full crop, but they have like a, you know, like a little nerf bat. They've used them in Europe now and everything too, which we're hoping that that will decrease maybe the number of injuries. And, um, and I don't know what your opinion is on whips causing any race, uh, incidents, but, um, I hope we changed. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I, unfortunately, you know, you're never going to get anything in this world that's perfect. And I think if we're able to take one negative out of it, that's awesome. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think um, the encouragement that I've been hearing is like in Australia, they've put money toward races that are called like will to win races or whatever. And they, you know, they throw the the crop away for that or they use a Nerf bat or something just for those particular Mm -hmm. races, which just kind of introduces the idea and gets it thinking about anyway, which I'm, I'm thinking that's in the right direction anyway. <laughs> Cause you know, the fastest sure. horse wins, right? It doesn't, they, you don't have to make a certain time to actually win the race. It's just the first one over the line. So it seems like, you know, if you could just level the field, it'd be okay. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I am so glad to get to meet you and get to listen to your story a little bit more. And, um, just, it's fun to have youth getting into an industry of, top-level performance and a belief in nutrition, so from the inside out of a horse. And I hope to follow your career and that you do some really breakthrough things for horses in the world. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. My career is just, just started, so I have many years, hopefully, ahead of me. Oh, you do. You do. And gosh, you've already done a lot. I would love to have you back, Kate, if we could, and uh, get a little tip from you and use it in another episode. Would that be okay? Oh, absolutely. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Kate Levasseur from Minnesota now, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll watch you on the horizon. Thanks very much for being on Horsemanship Radio. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition, but why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live, natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horseshine. Omega Horseshine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine, and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at OmegaFields.com, or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. Shannon Coakley is the executive director of Equus Foundation, the leading animal welfare organization solely dedicated to the welfare of the horse. Founded in 2002, the organization provides financial support and resources to horse rescues and equine therapy organizations across the United States. Shannon's role focuses on marketing and development, as well as keeping the organization thriving. She grew up in Westport, Connecticut, 
where she competed in the National Hunter Jumper Circuit uh, from the age of 12 to 18. She graduated from Cornell University with a degree in economics in 2007 and came back to Horses with the Equus Foundation, where she could make a positive impact on the equine community each and every day. Well, welcome, Shannon Coakley. I'm so excited to have you, the Executive Director of the Equus Foundation, with us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, Shannon. I'm really excited to, I know you guys have a lot going on right now, and I, I thank you for sparing a little time in amongst your, uh, the Roar campaign and some of the large campaigns that you're working with with other organizations, but I wanted to get to know a little bit about Shannon, the person behind the Equus Foundation and some of your horsemanship, uh, which people might not know your background. So um, I gave a little bit of about your bio, but tell us a little bit more about growing up in Westport. Sure. Um, so, like you said, I, I grew up in Westport, Connecticut, and um, horses have really been, you know, part of my life as, as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, you know, older sister rode horses, and my mom and my grandmother, we actually all kind of rode at the same, uh, at the Fairfield County Hunt Club. So, it's a whole family affair, which is really special um, that we all share together. And, um, you know, I started riding when I was about five years old and, you know, I really, I realized at that young age that there was something, there's something special. I was totally hooked. I didn't want to, you know, do anything without my pony. And, and, um, there was just really this instant connection, um, that I, I really loved, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty nice. Yeah, it is nice, isn't it? And were were there other animals in your family too, or were you specifically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we had dogs growing up. Um, Jack Russell's common, you know, common around uh, horse shows and horse people. Jack mm-hmm. Russell Terriers. Um, so uh, you know, they, they were they were wonderful as well. Um, but there's something a little bit different, uh, which I'm sure people you know would agree with uh, about the horses and and kind of the impact that they have um, on us and our lives. That's true. That's true. And then you went on to Cornell and got your degree in economics. What were you thinking? That sounds really hard. (laughs) It's a very good question. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, really, but I somehow made it out out of there alive. I made some really, uh, really wonderful friends and had a really great experience despite the freezing, freezing cold weather. Uh, up in Ithaca, New York. But, uh, you know, I, I really realized after college that I wasn't going to go down the, the finance banking route that maybe economics would lend to. Oh, um, no, I'm, so. sh- I'm sure you're a very smart person. And then I'm just, that's amazing that you got that accomplished too. And, and uh, I'm just so glad when people uh, who are highly accomplished like that, whether it's in education or in anything, that they come back to, to the horse world because, uh, you know, it's nice to have some, some really talented and achieved person persons in the horse world. So tell us how Equus Foundation eventually became part of your life. Sure. So, you know, when I was in high school, I, I was competing uh, very competitively on the national hunter jumper circuit. And you know, when I went off to college, I was ready for a break, ready to do something different. And uh, after college, you know, I, I decided to work in the corporate world for several years. And I just kind of found, you know, about a year ago that I was feeling very drawn back to my roots in, in the horse equine community. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was kind of happened at the right time for, with, you know, for various reasons. Um, but, you know, here I am. And, you know, the founders of the Equus Foundation really 
were and still very are passionate about making a difference in how horses are cared for and also just the magic and power of um, how horses, you know, can can help people with special needs. And that, that really um, resonated with me and, and that's still very present today and it, it makes my job and what I do every day very fulfilling for sure. Yeah, I, I love your motto, helping horses heal people. I mean, who doesn't love that? We just all feel that. The people who love horses, uh, you mm-hmm. know, know that there is that empathy and that uh, passion about them too. Um, I, I love the business model that you've set up that you you are helping horses heal people because you support the nonprofits, the horse charities of of uh, at least this nation. You're you're just in the U.S. now, right? Yes, we yeah. are. We've grown from you know just a couple local Connecticut nonprofits to now over. 900 horse rescues and equine therapy organizations across the United States. Um, There's varying levels of, you know, what we provide to them from, uh, from general resources to financial uh, support and grants and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, But it, you know, we've really grown and and expanded quite a bit over, you know, the 12 years that we've been around. Oh, it's 12 years. Yeah. Since 2003. That's amazing. Amazing though. So gosh, 900 spots. So that must mean thousands of horses that you're affecting through that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, really right now there's an estimated uh, 200,000 horses that are uh, unwanted, um, with those unwanted. Um, And so we really are focused on, you know, making an impact on reducing that number and, and being able to, you know, retrain horses for multiple careers, which, which happens very seamlessly, you know, sometimes and not so seamlessly some other times. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and then, you know, ultimately making equine therapy available to more people. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty, you know, there's, there's close to 50 million people with disabilities currently in the United States. And mm-hmm. only, I think it's one one hundredth of a percent, um, that have access to equine therapy and that are benefiting from it. So mm. we want to, you know, we are really focused on making a, um, a big impact on, on that, on that mm-hmm. number because we know yeah, raising as, funds for that so, people and, you know, what, what the impact can be, you know, of yeah. therapy. right. Yeah. If you can just get them, um, in the same place. Yeah. So you've got this new, uh, you're working with Animal Planet and this promotion that's going out called ROAR, which is really cute. Reach out, act, respond for animals. Is that, that's what it stands for. And I know that that's, um, some people are going to hear this after the ROAR has come and roared and gone. But, <laughs> but tell, us, tell us a little bit about that because I think it represents what you're trying to do too. Absolutely. Well, we're we're really honored to be among the seven charitable partners of Animal Planet um, that that they selected for this year's campaign. And basically, you know, they've given us the challenge to to uh, you know see who can have the loudest roar. Um, and so, you know, we're the only horse charity that's you know dedicated to solely to the welfare of the horse. Um, so we are you know, really trying to get the word out there and get people to vote and, um, and raise awareness uh, to the Equus Foundation and in turn really help, you know, horses everywhere by, um, by uh, you know, making an impact in this campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a great one too. It's really fun. Uh, so do you guys also, do you have education that you help with too? Is it, is it mostly just supporting the, the, 
therapies that are already out there or do you is there a component where you help therapies do better oh that providing best practices is one of is one of the most important parts of what we do um so to answer your question yes it's definitely more than just providing them with with uh, you know, financial support and that sort of thing. Um, we have some organizations that are really, you know, model organizations. They're really doing um, the best, providing the absolute best care for their horses. And so we, um, those, they're great examples for us to help maybe younger organizations or organizations that haven't been, um, you know, haven't been exposed to the same uh, resources or education um, to be able to improve. And it's, it's been pretty incredible over the years to see some organizations that have really uh, grown and become, you know, better organizations because, you know, they're, they have yeah. access to more information. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I just noticed this on your site, but I haven't really studied it. What's the horse stars hall of fame? That sounds intriguing. Yes. Yeah, so the, the Horsemen's Hall of Fame is a joint program that we do with the USEF, the United States Equestrian Federation, um, where each year the horse, the horses that they uh, select for the horse of the year um, are uh, combined with, so those are considered on the athlete side of the Hall of Fame, and we select or on our side of uh, the humanitarian side, uh, a number of horses that are nominated and go through, you know, a selection process. And then they are all um, inducted into that year's Hall of Fame. So it is typically presented and announced um, at our uh, at our big event that we hold in February during the Winter Equestrian Festival in Wellington, Florida. Um, and it's it's a really great way to to, you know, show horses from all different disciplines as well as, you know, whether they're, you know, trail horses or, or, or equine therapy horses or things like that, um, all just runs the gamut of types of horses, but, um, there's special kind of horses everywhere. So we want to honor them and, um, and, you know, they're part of the, part of the hall of fame. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a cool, people should go on your website at, um, well, if they go to Equus Foundation and then you have a, 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 I guess it's a URL that's separate, but it's horse stars, horses star hall of fame dot org. Go to the home yeah. and you get this like virtual tour of a barn. It's really cool. How yeah, did you, so guys you can, come up with that? That's well, we we've worked we've worked uh, very closely with with the USEF um, in our partnership and. Uh, have developed that and basically it's, it's yeah it's, it's it's very interactive it allows you to walk into the barn and um learn more about each of the horses that are in the hall of fame we actually also have a an, a physical exhibit that we uh, have at our events mm-hmm. uh, where pe- people can learn about the horses and and that sort of thing there as well and we you know can't say too much right now, but we're in the works for some, Ooh, okay. we're, we're, we're developing some more features for the Horse Star Hall of Fame right now. So it's going to get even better uh, soon. Oh, <laughs> fun, fun. Yeah. Okay. People have to go there and check it out. I love virtual yeah. tours and things like that, where you get to play yeah. while you're, you know, surfing the exactly. net here too, but good for you. Now this is really fun. So, and I know you're a small staff. Tell, how many people do you guys have working in the core of Equus Foundation? Uh, we are very, very small. When, uh, before I answer your question, one thing I'll say yeah. is that, you know, what's what's really interesting is, 
the impact that we have is quite mm-hmm. large and some of the organizations you know, are there are varying sizes of the organizations that we support. Um, yeah. But but in terms of on you know operationally, we are are, are quite small and and for the most part just two people. So yeah, you guys are ama- I mean, the influence and the impact you're making on America is is it's stunning. Actually, it's really it's really cool. So I'm happy to introduce you to people who may not have known you before and encourage people to go to Equus foundation.org and see what they're doing and, and get to know what they do because I think you're, what you're doing and how you're doing it is important for even other charities outside the equine world to kind of see how, how important you can be without you know, going over the, the 50, 50 people to a staff, you know, how we're dealing with some of those in charities. But, um, but it's great. <laughs> so so um, what's the long term for Equus Foundation? Do you guys uh, foresee that you can really build up more of an interactive between the, the uh, therapies themselves? Um, I, I feel like we're going in that, in that direction that we're becoming more integrated as, as different therapies use training from different sources. But tell me, tell me what the future is. Well, one thing I'll definitely say is that, or, or you know, definitely true is, is that you know, we there are, are some you know, hippotherapy is a, a you know prescribed therapy that that um, people with disabilities can sometimes um, get. But you know, really, our hope is that when you go to the doctor and there's um, something that some sort of issue that you're dealing with, and one of the potential you know ways to heal is through equine therapy that that's mm-hmm. something you can you can get readily and easily and that the access and availability to equine therapy um you know can just be more more available um mm-hmm. yeah so you know that's really important to us um that we're really focused on that and and certainly you know we always say you know a horse with a home and a job is is a happy horse so if we can if we can you know make a big impact on, on the unwanted horses and, and whether or not, you know, they may be just hanging out or they may turn into therapy animals. You don't know, um, whatever they're happy doing, uh, you know, that, you know, that's a job well done for us. Yeah. Good. So it's prescribing is what you integrating medicine with the therapy is, would be a great direction. I, I totally agree with you. I think that would be fantastic. We're, we're looking at that with, uh, the, uh, soldiers coming back and, and their, traumatic stress injuries and uh you know if they could Absolutely. only know what horses could do and they're not horse people so you know they're not going to ask right but if the if the uh, the world of therapy or even the world of of the VA could look at those things i i agree with you that there's a lot of integration that could go on so that that's very exciting i'm glad to hear it yeah i mean the the research that's already been done with PTSD or just generally from veterans coming um, you know, soldiers coming back from, from the war is, has been pretty incredible. And, you know, well, while there's many, you know, uh, types of equine therapy where it's, you're actually mounted on the horse, there's also a lot of therapy that's not, that's unmounted. And that's right. sometimes you yeah. see that with the PTSD where it's, it's really about, um, you know, maybe gaining some trust back and, and finding that you can, um, you can build a partnership with this, this other animal and not not feel judged it's really it can be just incredibly beneficial and valuable to to people totally agree totally agree in fact i find the groundwork it can be 
even more powerful than in the saddle because of that trust and you feel more vulnerable maybe on the ground those those veterans mm-hmm. we call it PTS PTSI uh, post traumatic stress injury because we we believe they can recover from this and okay. uh, you know don't call it a disorder if it's if they didn't go into war with a disorder so right, so right. Uh, yeah so we we like that a lot we 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 um we share join up and that is that moment when the horse chooses to be with you rather than away from you and and finds you trustworthy and some of those uh soldiers that find that uh can be really passive and they need to bring that that leadership out of themselves or those that have been aggressive or have sort of emotional ups and downs have to regulate that and and get that horse to uh to trust them and and come to them so yeah i'm totally on board with you. We'll have to share more of this stuff. Sorry, I got off into the, the PTSD. No problem, absolutely. It, it, yeah, I love that therapy, so that's great. Well, we'd love to have you back. Would you come back, Shannon, and give us a, a trainer's tip and share with us again? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to come back again anytime. Just let us know. We're, we're happy to, to, to share you know, updates and what we're doing and, and hear what, what's going on on your end for sure. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much, Shannon Coakley from the Executive Director of Equus Foundation. Thank you. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Alicia Kershaw and Sarah Jane Casey of Gallup NYC wanted to leave their trainer's tip this week on breathing. Listen in. Welcome back, Sarah Jane Casey from Gallup NYC in downtown New York City. How are you, Sarah Jane? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, good. I'm so glad you agreed. We talked about in an earlier episode that you came all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. If somebody goes, I didn't know that was a New York accent. <laughs> but it's not. It's New it's, Zealand. It's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so cute. You work, um, you work at Gallup NYC as a uh, advanced path certified therapist and working with the horses. And we wanted to have you back because we know that uh, if you work with horses long enough and you've been working with them since you were just a wee one, that you come up with tips that you'd like to share with people and you're probably pretty darn good at it. So we would love to hear what your horsemanship would teach us today. Well, I'd be I'd be happy to share that with you. I think one of my favorite um, training methods, and I use this for both horses and for my students um, and actually for the volunteers ultimately it all keeps everybody in rhythm but is to use um, a rhythmic counting when I'm particularly at the trot so when you're teaching the trot um, for for a green horse who is not um, keeping a consistent rhythm and if I want him to stay calm and collected and consistent, um, I will use the one-two counting. But I'll use it every other stride, for instance, one, two, one, two. And that helps me ultimately breathe and, of course, connect to the horse a little bit more and keep everything a little bit more on track and contained and, and um, not focusing so much on, okay, we've got to get this rhythm, but here it is, here's the rhythm. And the body, um, the rider's body naturally follows that. And I find that happens with my students as well, whether they be verbal or nonverbal, um, it helps them 
count if they can, ideally, of course, if they're verbal, they can also speak it. But if they're non, they're listening to, they're counting. But mm-hmm. it gets everybody on the same page as well. So perhaps if we're posting to try to be one, two, one, two, one, two. And you'll find everyone falls into that rhythm. The sidewalkers will be trotting with the horse mm-hmm. and the horse will be listening to the rider or to me in the middle. And the rider then becomes relaxed because they're breathing and they're thinking mm-hmm. about one, two, as opposed to, oh, I've got to get up, I've got to get down, I've got to get up. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I've found that over the years great, especially with my training with horses and, and with my students as well. So important. And horses are, are animals of synchronicity, too. They do synchronize with us. So I imagine that helps your horse. If you're breathing in a rhythmic way, whether you're verbalizing that count or not, the horse is probably picking up on that. Do you agree? Absolutely. And ultimately, that's where you want to end up. You're not, of course, speaking out loud. You can't be in a dressage arena saying one, two, one, two. But be quietly. <laughs> yeah, you're breathing. It, it gets you to the place where if you do get stuck, if things get tense, you can just go back to that rhythmic count in your head and get back to that place where you're breathing because ultimately getting anyone to breathe on a horse is a challenge <laughs> and, it, and it helps immensely I think. Very good tip. We do have a videographer who does a lot of our um, recording around when we're giving classes and everything and she'll wire somebody up if we're shooting a lesson uh, for sound and she'll whisper over to us they're not breathing because the mic is right by, you know, and so then somebody can yell out, breathe, and then they're all good again, so yeah. And everyone's fine, exactly, and I find when I'm teaching, the same thing happens to me, if I if I start getting tense, I'm focusing on the rider and I start getting tense, I realize that no one's breathing. And I'm like, oh, you're not breathing because I'm not breathing. That means you're not breathing. You sort of, it's, it really is a domino effect, that not breathing. Great <laughs> so tip. Sure. Okay. We will be sharing that one. That's a great tip, Sarah Jane Casey. Thank you very much from Gallup, you're New York. You're so welcome. NYC. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Yeah. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. This December, we have our Horse Sense and Healing in California on December 11 through 13 for veterans wanting to get past post-traumatic stress. Are you going to give Monty a few days off after that? No, like, no? not much. No? <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't let us. He doesn't let us. He says, I'm 80. Use me. Quick. <laughs> I'm running out of time here, people. Hurry up. Yeah, he's real generous that way. He really is. He enjoys these. These are actually, these are restorative to him. This is this is what charges his batteries. Will he be home for Christmas? Yes. Okay. He, he's home actually for this this horse and healing. He That's where he gets to sleep in his own bed. He'll be back for Thanksgiving because he's going to be on our, our um, promotional radio Oh, Radiothon. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, I didn't know if we were going to have to have him call in from Europe someplace. Yeah. Well, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this case. Okay, good. All right. You can find all of the information about the schedule. We'll have you posting the 2016 schedule here shortly, too. And you can find all of that at MontyRoberts.com. Or you can give him a call at 805-688-6288. For details (laughs) about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under facebook.com slash Monty Roberts and Twitter at twitter.com 
slash Monty underscore Roberts. To get our app, which is the best way to listen to the shows, go to Horse Radio Network on iTunes or Android. It's free and it's simple and easy to use. Excellent. And many thanks to our sponsors, IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty's Equus Online University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on Horse Radio Network as well at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.